Yeah, we're back on. All right, it's good to see everyone made it back out. Uh, thanks again to all of our visitors. I do ask that you, uh, as was made mention of by Brother Randy, that we would remember the uh, church down in Lyons, Georgia. If you don't know where Lyons is, uh, you've heard of Vidalia onions, the sweet onions that are there that you say that you can slice and you won't cry, though I, that affect, it affects my teardrops. Uh, but the uh, sweet capital of the Onion Festival is there in Vidalia, Georgia, right near Savannah. And uh, Lyons, Georgia is just on the outskirts of Vidalia. And uh, he's been pastor there from the inception of that congregation. And uh, they will definitely need our prayers, not only as they are dealing with the loss of their pastor, but uh, as they will also seek uh, set up a pulpit committee and everything to start looking for a new pastor. Let's take our Bibles, let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 8. And I want us to consider today a man by the name of Philip. Now, there are two Philips that are mentioned in the New Testament. Uh, one we know of as Philip the Apostle, and the other one we know as Philip that was the deacon turned evangelist. And we're going to take a look at his evangelical abilities a little bit uh, as we start today. So, Acts, chapter 8. Let's go down to verse 26, and that's where we're going to begin today. And we'll read down to verse 40. And the angel of the Lord... ...which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had a charge of all of her treasury, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, and read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to him, the chariot. And Philip and read the prophet Isaiah, and said unto, Understandest what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place in the scripture which he read was this, And he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shear, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare the generation for his life was taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speakest thou the prophet, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on the cities till it came to Caesarea. It's interesting to me that whenever we study the Word of God, we, we oftentimes think, okay, uh, I've heard many people will turn around and will say that the only person that should ever be a witness or a preacher uh, to another lost individual is a preacher himself. And yet, when you take a look at it, someone like Philip, who was never called 
became an evangelist, a missionary, if you will. He was one that he was, took every opportunity and presented the Word of God in a very real way. So as we begin today, I want us to think about all the different things that we're going to see from the scriptures that begin to tell us a little bit about ourselves. Now, when I started my notes, I, I was thinking about a song years ago that we used to sing called, Who Am I? Who am I that a king would live and die for? Everyone remember that? I think Dottie Rambo wrote that. But the reality is, is that old song used to ask the question, Who am I? Who am I that, that God would love me in such a way that Jesus Christ would give his life upon the cross of Calvary for my benefit? And I don't have the right to show that in myself, but that I should give this message to as many people as were here, so that they too may become partakers of the magnificence of Jesus Christ. Who am I that he called me to be a preacher? I, I look back at when I was saved. I was nine years of age. And a lot of people say, well, can you really be saved when you're nine? Well, I was. And, uh, you know, I've come through many trials, many opportunities in my life, but I know without a shadow of a doubt that Christ is mine. And while I declare to others, I've also had the blessing of sharing the gospel of Christ with others that they too may be saved. And as I hear more and more people come to Christ as their Lord and Savior, my thoughts and my examples to them is not who I am, but who Christ is. So while people look to me as an example of Jesus Christ, just as the Apostle Paul was, there is a boldness that says, follow as I follow Christ. Now, let me just tell this to you. Anytime that a preacher tells you, follow me as I follow Christ, give him a little bit of notion. See where he's going to. If he starts acting like the world, don't follow. But if he acts like Christ in everything he does, then he deserves some consideration. I'll just say that very carefully. The one thing, though, is when we study the, the, the gospel about Philip, or when we study the, the account that is in the book of Acts, and we see this about Philip, we begin to see something amazing about his life. And I want us to take that today as we study him, why he became a deacon, and later on became an extremely good evangelist. Let us pray. Father, again, I pray that you will guide and bless us and help us to be faithful unto you in all things. We are thankful, Father, for the goodness that you bestowed upon us and that you will help us and that you will lead us and that you will bless us in this day. I don't know what today is going to hold. I don't know how the services will end or anything else. But the one thing I do know is that I'm trusting you, Father, to be in complete control of all things. Guys, then, I pray thee, Father, and help us to be faithful in you in all that we say and do. And we will rejoice in thy name, for you are Christ alone. For it's in Christ we pray. And amen. I'd like for us to hold our place here if we can. We're just going to go back a couple of chapters to chapter 6. And in chapter 6, we see the first mention of, of this man named Philip who was called to be a deacon. I'm going to show some things to you. Maybe you've seen these before, maybe you haven't, but that's okay. Look what it says in verse 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples was uh, multiplied, there were against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. 
Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them, and they said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, for interesting to me as I study a little bit about the deacons as they were called. First and foremost, did you notice that the ones that were complaining were the Greek Jews, the Hellenistic Jews? Anytime you see that word Grecian like this, go back and look at that. Look it up sometimes. Me and uh, Strong's Concordance are some of the best people in the world. And one of the things that I find about this is that it's the same word as Hellenistic or Hellenist. And the Hellenistic Jews means that they were they had been trained under the Greek uh, teachings, under the Greek uh, the, uh, Greek apostleships. Now the inner Hellenistic Jews. Don't, don't let this surprise you because the reality is, is that everywhere we look in the scripture we find Jews across all manners of the land. We've had them in Russia, we've had them in, in Africa, we've had them in uh, Australia, and here in the United States, and so on and so forth. And they've been very powerful in being a part of society. But in this case, these were believing Jews. They had trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And because they These men, these apostles, have made the statement that we must give ourselves over to daily prayer and also to the Word of God. Now understand this. The Word of God was very precious to them. Now, I don't The scripture. We know Paul wrote the primary amount of the book of, uh, you know, in the New Testament, the many books that he addressed. But remember, Matthew was an apostle. He had to write. Mark, who was an apostle, he had to write. John, who was an apostle, he had to write. And outside of the John, he wrote the book of Revelation, all by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But now one of the things I pointed out last week, I think it was, or the week before, the last time we met together, is I said they loved the Word of God so much that they 
much of the tour do you remember? These men were giving themselves over not only to the word of God, but they were praying for insight on every little thing they were doing. I mean, think about this. We just read a passage of scripture last week when we read about the book of Joel, how the Peter said these are the things that were mentioned in the prophet Joel when he said these things. This is what's happening before your eyes right now. Well, these same deacons also of God. How many of us recall in the doctrines of grace? I never heard those things. I was saved in what we would call Arminian teachings. But the moment chapter 7. In chapter 7, he talked to them clearly about how that they rejected the things of Moses, how they rejected the things of God, and literally gnashed, allowed them to gnash on their teeth against him as they drug him out and stoned him to death. But get this, by faith he can look up in the heavens and say, I see Jesus. I see Jesus. Wouldn't we love it in our last days? And, you know, I'll tell you this, Brother Randy, I know you'll appreciate this. They said that when Brother Paul was on his deathbed, that many times people would come in and he'd just have a smile on his face looking to heaven and reaching up to heaven. Can you imagine the last moments we have upon this earth? Just like we've had the testimonies from time and again, I'm glad you're here. I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you about the Savior that loves me more than you'll ever love me. Let me share with you my faith. There's an old song that goes, I see Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. I see Jesus over in the glory land. Work is over. Now I'm coming to thee. I see Jesus standing waiting for me. Isn't that a beautiful thought? And you know the scripture teaches us that for the death of every saint, the Lord's going to stand for us. Isn't that great? Can you imagine the moment that the apostle, or I call him the apostle, but anyway, when Brother John passed away, and he, he left his body shell here upon this earth, and he goes stand before Jesus, and the Lord goes, Welcome home, Paul. You thought you had it good down on earth? You ain't seen nothing yet. I've got the best for you. 
You're not going to have to worry about the pigsty anymore. You're not going to worry about death anymore. I'm going to carry you into Abraham's bosom of rest for eternity until that time that you will receive the glorified bodies. The reality is, is that when we take a look at these deacons, they were given over by the concreteness of their faith. How much so? Look at verse 7. And we've oftentimes failed to remember this part about the qualities of a deacon. They were... You know, if somebody will ask me a question, I'm sure I will falter. From time and again, I have faltered, and I'll say, look, I have to get back with you on that. I don't have a ready answer right now. But the reality is, is that these men were so good that they allowed these things to be taught, and they understood, and they increased, even the women folk, increased in their knowledge of Christ. Let me tell you something, folks, and please don't misunderstand this. I believe there's a lot more intelligence with women than there are men. And many times we don't want to give women, by the way, this is a men in sign language if you ever want to say that. But anyway, if, if you think about this, women have a natural relationship with things we don't understand. They have a natural relationship with their husband, but they long for the things of God. Remember Mary when she sat at the feet of Jesus? Why did she want to sit at the feet of Jesus? She was interested in the things of God. Now, we don't know anything about Martha and Mary. If they ever married, we don't know. Later on, we're going to find that Philip, if we get, there, get to that place, he had daughters that were, became prophetesses. In other words, they understood the word of God. You have a responsibility, ladies, to not only share in the testimony with your husband, but to train up other women and to teach children. But how can you teach these things if you're not steeped in the true word of God to begin with? These men, men that were deacons, they would explain the word of God in such a way that they understood it. You know, I've had so many people say we've got to be so careful of Christianese. I think we need to educate our children so that they can grow up understanding what we mean by Christianese. I don't think we have less than the Word of God. When many times people say, well, do you believe in dispensations? Yes, I do. Now, which one are you talking about? Well, do you believe in eschatology? I do. I believe in eschatology. Now, what part of eschatology are you talking about? Do you believe in soteriology? You've probably never heard of before. Is it my responsibility to teach or walk away like you, you understand what I just said? It's my responsibility to teach the full counsel of God. And once it's been taught to you, you have the responsibility. You know, we're going to, to baptize a little lady here next week, I think it is. And do you know how powerful that's going to be to take the Word of God and make it so simplistic that it's like milk to the child, followed by bread, followed by strong meat. I imagine these apostles or these apostles were teaching the people and they were just teaching the word of God. And yet it was over their heads. And yet here were these deacons explaining every little piece so that there was clarity. 
to everyone that was there. Isn't it amazing? It also tells us, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, and I want you to see this part. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, we find the requirements of the deacon. And in verse 8, notice again that word likewise, which means just as the pastor or the elder that has been called, deacons, you have this great responsibility as well. Likewise, must deacons be grave, not double-tongued, and not given to much wine, and not greedy of filthy lucre. You know, here's the thing I love about our deacons. And yes, Brother Joe and Brother Greg are two of our deacons. But I also appreciate this of every man that's in this church. I'm not afraid of talking to them about the things of God. And if they disagree with me, they're not afraid to tell me I disagree, Pastor. And you say, well, aren't they showing you disrespect? No. They have more respect for the things of God than they do the man of God. How much you think about that? They have more respect for the things of God than the man of God. But look what it says here. Holding the mystery of faith in a pure conscience. You know, here's the thing. The mystery of faith, I am learning that every day of my life. And let, and let these also first be proved and let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. I'll tell you what, while we only have two deacons in this congregation, I believe every one of our men should prove themselves worthy of that deaconship. That's what the scripture teaches us. Look what else it says. Uh, Even so, must their wives be grave, not slander, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. For they that have used the office of the bishop, or of the deacon, will purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness and faith which is in Christ Jesus. In other words, they will do everything in their power to be men of God that they can be seen of the people. Now here's what's interesting. As a man of God, I know his calling. His calling. But do you realize a deacon is ever in the public eye? That's, that's pretty amazing. A deacon is called by the church, not by the pastor of the church. Now, I might say, you know, I think so-and-so would be a good one. But you know, here's what's interesting. The church might find something out and say, that man's not qualified because... Now, is that my responsibility to go find out for myself? No. But the church may disqualify because they know something of importance that others may see. In the book of Acts chapter 8, we find this one thing that's there. Immediately after the persecution of what happened with, the, uh, with Saul of Tarsus, we begin to see that the people are scattering into the four winds, if you will, into the lands of uh, Galatia, into Judea, into Samaria. And they're beginning to move forward now because they are going as they're going forward. And we also see Stephen, the first place that he went, well, excuse me, I'm not sure I say this right. We look at Philip, and the first place that he went was into Samaria. And after he went into Samaria, he had such a power with the word of God that many of the Samaritans also believed and were baptized. It was then that the apostles were sent, and when they were mainly uh, Peter and John, they saw for themselves the faith that was being demonstrated by that first church in Samaria. And they organized them. 
But later on, here's the thing that's interesting. What we just read was Philip was transformed or he was called to be away from that place. Now, this may be hard. I think it's wrong. And if Greg was here, I'd say the same thing. I believe the most fit people of our congregation ought to be the deacons. You say, how can they be the most fit? When was the last time you ran to a chariot and you were not even wounded when you caught up with that chariot? And we're not even sure how fast that chariot was going. One thing, Joe, you think you can handle it? No. But here's the thing. Do you realize that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, see a chariot to the man of Ethiopia, which most likely he was someone uh, probably of Canaan's race. And when he heard the message, he was a man that he had great understanding, he had great principles, he had everything about him that was marvelous. But now look at this. He also had the cherished word of God in his lap. He could read it. And most likely it was in Hebrew. So he was a man that understood the Hebrew as well. And as he read, he read from the book of Isaiah. Look at verse 30. And Philip ran him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Now nothing was said that the chariot had even slowed down. The only time we ever see that the chariot stopped was at the water place. But at that very moment, Philip was obedient to the things of God to where he said, Here, my Lord, use me. Now think about this for a moment. How many of us really understand that we have a responsibility with the Word of God in our hands to tell others of Jesus Christ? Those two little ones right there. I mean, Nancy asked me this morning, do we know if they're going to be here today? I said, I don't know. She said, well, we're ready. How important it is, is it of them to be ready to teach those little ones? And how important, we had visitors today. Man, I'm so glad the visitors came. I'd rather preach to a house full than to nobody. But with our visitors that came today, do they expect to get yesterday's news or something fresh? And so I want you to know that I had to study, not knowing who was going to be here, when they were going to be here, I had to be prepared. And you know, here's the thing. Do you all want crusty old moldy bread or do you want something hot from the oven? I believe that this man, this missionary, this evangelist, had something amazing that he wanted to deliver, and it was amazing food that was going to be restored. And when this eunuch said, I don't know what's going to be taught, I don't know anything about it, but I want you to know that this is going to be something important. Who is this man speaking of, himself, or is he speaking of someone else? And immediately Philip took the Word of God, the Old Testament, and he began to declare unto him, Jesus Christ. There are many people in this world that they, they have all kinds of stories. But the most important story of all is what do I know about Jesus Christ? 
What do I know about Jesus Christ? And because I know Jesus, I have a responsibility to tell others and be prepared no matter what. Yes, I can get up and write a devotion every day. So what? I can study the Word of God every day. So what? But here's the thing. If I truly believe that God wants me to study something, He will prepare me. And it begins with prayer. I guarantee you, Philip didn't know what was going to go on during the day. But he trusted that God was going to prepare the way for him. And after that, we begin to see the witnessing that occurred. And you know, there's been many times that I've walked around and people will say, I've been reading this word or reading this passage. And I'll listen to them. I, I shared this with you a while back. I'm going to show it again. How that one man had come up to my dad. And dad was washing his van. And the man said, what are you thinking about, sir? And to his utter surprise... When Dad said to him, I'm thinking about going home to be with my Lord. That disarmed the man in such a way that he wasn't ready for it. I wonder how we would answer. I'm going to share something with you. The other day, I had to go to the doctor. Right before all the sinuses hit me, I had to go on a Wednesday, and they gave me a clean bill of health. They said, you are so good, we can't stand it. Do you know, the nurse that was taking all my Bible, she said, what are you thinking about? And to her surprise, I said, I'm thinking about Jesus. I'm thinking about my Lord. I don't know if she even expected that. But isn't that the most important thing? Isn't that the most important what if you're sitting there with a group of kids and they say, what are you thinking about? How that I can share the Word of God with you? How that I can tell you about Jesus? How that I can make it right? The thing that you find amazing is that the Holy Spirit not only gave the insight and how true it was, but He began to expose these things to Philip in such a way that He gave him the purpose I remember many years ago that I was asked to preach on what evangelist is. Now, mind you, understand, here's the world's idea of an evangelist. He comes in, he stirs up the people, he leaves out, and then the pastor has to mop up the situation. I never find that in Scripture. But I do find the responsibility to do the work of an evangelist. Number one, Here's what the evangelist should do. Number one, be willing to go where God wants him to go. Put that down. To go where God wants for him to go. So when the Holy Spirit came to Philip, he said, I, want, I need you right now to go down to the way that goes down to Gaza. That's all that's it right superhuman strength and superhuman speed. Number three, the Holy Spirit gave him insight to be a witness 
about the things that he read. We read that again, how that he had heard him speak from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, about Jesus Christ. And number four, to preach Christ. To preach Christ. You know, one of the things that we see from, and I want you to think about this, we are called Missionary Baptist Church. Why? And it's interesting, we had that discussion not too long ago. Why do we call ourselves Missionary Baptist? Why can't we just call ourselves Baptist? Well, we are just Baptist. But I think the Missionary Baptist, for the most part, depicts that we want others to be evangelized, that we might win them for Christ. That means I need to be submissive, not only to the things of God, but for the direction that he gives. I need to be listening to where the Holy Spirit wants me to move the message. I need to be an example by going out into the world. You're going to love this. Turn with me to the book of Acts. And let's go down to, uh, to chapter 10. And I want you to read verse 19. <coughs> now here was a great man of God. We know him as Peter, Simon Peter the Apostle. And notice that Peter had just seen this pillow that came down with the sheet that came down with the four animals in it. And finally, the Holy Spirit speaks to him. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise and get thee down. Now, I want you to get this. I don't understand why every little aspect of the things of God happen when they happen or how they happen. As far as we knew this morning, we were only going to be just the, the, the selected few that were going to be here in church today. Because we have many that are traveling. We, we, we could call ourselves the traveling church because we definitely like to travel. But the reality is, is that we didn't know who was going to be here today and who wasn't. But here's the thing that's interesting. I send whom I will send. And did you ever think about this? Sometimes the message that we have prepared has been selected and presented by God. Then Peter went down to the men, which were sent unto him from Cornelius, and said, Behold, I am whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? Now these men heard the message. And I want you to get this as well. And this is, here's the thing that's interesting to me. When we finally see this message that was delivered by Peter, in verse 44 says, While Peter yet speak these words, the Holy Ghost fell upon them, which heard the word, and they of all, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, and as many as came of Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard the word of tongues and magnified God, then answered Peter, Can any man for the And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they, him, to tarry certain days. That's the work of an evangelist. 
Later on in the book of Acts chapter 11, they sent, the church sent Barnabas to Antioch to see what was going on. He went and got, he went and got Paul. Paul came back. What did they hear? I know that God is great and that he's going to deliver. I realize that we have a lot that's going on in our lives, but is there anything greater that we can present except that we show them the power of God in all that we say and do? May I point out to you that in all of our life, in all of our dwelling, in all of our systems, we should always give praise to God first. Father, again, may we do the work of evangelist. May we go into this world preaching the gospel and ever be faithful to the things you've given. Help us, dear Father, to be faithful in all things. And may we rejoice in thy presence and in thy word. For it's in Christ we pray. Amen. Brother Randy.